Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Go Steelers! Go Steelers! Say go Steelers! Welcome to the Steelers Outpost Podcast, a proud member of Sports Drink Network. It is June 13th, 2021. This is Tom coming to you from Sawdust Studios in the Washington, D.C. Outpost. Nick joins me from the Houston Outpost. It is a superlative night here in Washington, D.C., in your nation's capital. Ah. One which I wanted to honor with a perfectly grilled ribeye steak. From Kansas City Steaks, by the way. This was like the best marble from Italy in the hands of a dilettante. Yes. I regret not just going to Ruth Chris tonight and getting a real good steak. So I have wasted uh, I've wasted the resources on a oh, great so it, was a, it was an failure. raw resource. It's a failure. Damn it. But, but you know what I didn't make? I didn't make this incredible red wine, which I can't name, so I'm going to imbibe in this during the show to drown away my sorrows from destroying that beautiful piece of meat. We get back on the horse and we try again, just like the Steelers' offensive line is going to try again this year to not suck. (laughs) Just when we're we're in between between OTAs and minicamp and you think it's going to be a slow news week, the Steelers and former Steelers write the script for this week's show. I just want to say that I feel we now have confirmation that the educational gap for NFL players, rookies and veterans, is not finances. It is not about social climbers they have to worry about in their circles. It is not about media training. It is about stay off the damn Twitter. Yeah. Sorry for the uh, Greek. No, that was awesome. Everybody wants the old man yells at cloud version of it, too. You're speaking for a lot of our audience. And really, you know... An inner, an inner old man in my body as well. Somebody's got to get to the young man in Devin Bush's brain and either take Twitter away from him or explain to him how it works. Because he had a whopper of a tweet eight hours ago. Here it is. Let me read it to you guys. Devin Bush tweets, Hope my boy Deshaun Watson doing good. Media ain't been trying to kill him for a while. And then some emojis of, like on fire and like a O face and a, that fast simple. Devin, now is not a good time to tweet about your friend Deshaun Watson. Your friend who stands accused by 23 women of sexual harassment in an unfinished legal case. Listen, we talked, I think, about... Deshaun a little bit. I don't know if we, how much we actually did on the show or not, but 
definitely on the page of you know wait till all the facts are there don't don't kill someone otherwise you get like a chris hardwick situation where where a one-off accuses him of something that he never did and and you know you're you're now whenever you google the guy's name he has that come up with his name so you know due process and all that but 23 that's not a good sign that's a very bad sign generally when you get into the double digits and then above 20 we're getting some red flags here okay I'm not saying it's Cosby, but there's some things that those type of cases share in common. And whether you're his friend, whether you think he did it or didn't do it, don't tweet about him. This is just not going to go well for you. And I'm actually not, you know, I was kind of analyzing the case a little bit there, giving you my opinion on on the case. I guess, we'll, we'll see what happens. But the bigger point is it doesn't matter what you think of the case. Don't put yourself into this crap storm by tweeting about this. This is going to do you no good. Yeah, I don't know what he thought he was going to gain by this. Yeah. I'm not going to say whether smoke this fire, but 23. And, of course, it goes back to my, my little soliloquy at the beginning of the show about educating the NFL players. I don't know whether Deshaun Watson just, you know, this is just people gravitating towards him and accusing him, but it does feel like you weren't being helpful, Devin. And you only can hurt yourself here. Yeah, it's again, it's not about the Deshaun case really at all. It's just about don't tweet anything crazy um, controversial because it's not. It's only going to get your name dragged. And I think there might be some responses from people either listening or on Twitter who get annoyed uh, when anybody points out this a Steeler made a dumb remark in an interview or on Twitter. And usually the issue... Uh, somebody will have is they're saying, "What are you doing? You're not making a big deal." Like he didn't say, he didn't defend Deshaun. I mean, he did. <laughs> he literally he implied that the media is is making a witch hunt for him. But so I guess it does make it worse. <laughs> but uh, it's not really about the content. It's like what we said with Ben with the whole AB fiasco. I wish I could have thrown it to Juju on every single play on that drive. It was dumb. You, of course, you could say, like, what are you – well, the media is going to make a bigger deal about this. He didn't mean that. He was just propping up Juju. That's not how media works. It's going to be a story. People are going to pick it up. So I actually don't care about the content of your message. I just care about be smart, don't make stupid headlines. And that, to me, is where the media trainers got to got to talk to Devin a little bit. Here's what is interesting. Devin also said that he is approaching 100% uh, repair, and he will be ready for training camp. So that's good. And if you want to take another positive spin on it, my first reaction when I saw the tweet after I picked my jaw up off the floor and stopped chuckling, like, oh, dude, why'd you do that? My my first reaction was, ah. I hope this guy doesn't have any problems learning defense this year. <laughs> this is such a bad move. And I immediately realized how wrong that opinion was, and I did a 180, and I thought, this is the exact type of renegade you want playing inside linebacker. Say what you want about Vontae's perfect decision-making. That damn dude could tackle anybody. <laughs> Nobody was getting past him. You need renegades on on if you're going to play inside linebacker and that's what he is and clearly this is sort of an example of i you know 
he says that the, the the media has been making a bigger deal out of this than it is. So you can imagine he must be talking about that in the locker room or whatever when that's going on. He's an opinionated guy. He's very confident. And I think that is what you want. You want a bad boy. Now, you don't want a, a bad boy who supports, you know, if Deshaun Watson did that. I don't mean that. I'm half joking here, everybody. But, uh, yeah, I don't, this isn't the first time he had a tweet like that. I forgot what the other one was. I don't know if you can look it up, Dad, but he had a tweet earlier this year that also had to get a little bit of uh, attention drawn to it. So not the first time from Devin. I'm sure somebody will get a hold of him for that one because that's pretty pretty difficult. Well, we were talking – let's move on to more football sure. and talk about the inside linebacking core, which we've done. But I do feel – Really confident in this this linebacking core with uh, Bobby Spillane, as Bobby yes. Spokane, as you like to right, pontificate, and um, okay. and I assume Spokane will start over Vince Williams. But either way, it's a coin flip for me, and that's depth that you don't have any in in any other position other than let's say wide receiver. Here's the thing, Bobby Spokane is not Duck. Like Duck is a fan favorite. You're talking about look, we're talking about the unathletic whites here. The guy, the, the the rando Caucasians who are making it, and you go, hey, go, guy. You, you can do it. You're having yourself a nice little career. Bobby Spokane does windmill dunks on the basketball court. You see his handles. He can dribble like, and then you see his pick six. He looks a little funny in the uniform, and I, and obviously wearing number 41 is a little goofy, although I love that he wears that. I love when they have a, tr- a truly unique number, like Troy wearing 43 or Bud Dupree wearing 48, that grows on you. But there is a, a, a part of Splane that is a little goofy um, outside of him just being a white dude. But it's not just because he's easy to root for. Apparently a really sweet, really good guy, but total football meathead. Will Compton said that when he was actually on Pat McAfee's show this week. Uh, when um, Spillane was on the Titans and Compton and all those guys, they said, we love, Sp- uh, we love Spillane. What do they call him? Bobby or something like that. We love Bobby. And he just chuckles. He's like, that's just one of those guys who shows up in the locker room and you ask him about a play. He goes, man, I just – I love football. I love football. He's just a total football-loving guy. Um, but he's good. It's not just about, oh, having a big pick six. It's not just about – standing up Derrick Henry in the hole. Those plays were actually indicative of things that he is capable of doing. Those weren't one-offs. If you remember the game when Devin Bush got hurt, and uh, the Ravens game, and we could tell, like, that's an ACL immediately or something something bad on the leg. And so we were all very down, and Spokane went in there, and on the first play he smacked the living hell out of one of the – he had made a massive hit. I think he had one against the Browns too. So he does have a hit stick element to his game. He actually is a little bit faster than Vince Williams has been. And we know that Vince Williams has been an extremely solid, reliable starter in the middle of that defense for a long time. Kind of like a Ryan Clark, Larry Foote type player. And if you got your Troy Palomalu um, or James Ferrier with Devin Bush, Spillane actually gives you a, a little bit more even than maybe what Vince did in his prime. Or he has p- a potential to. Of course, Vince is a great player, but... And then, yeah, having Vince behind him, you actually have three true starting inside linebackers. And I actually, just to put a bow on this, I have a little hope for Spillane's development. Like, he should be getting better. And what encourages me about him is that he can windmill dunk, which is to say he is at, he's actually athletic uh, to an extent. It's not – obviously, 
can't hold a candle to Devin Bush, but it is exciting, that whole room. How do you think this stacks up against the other inside linebacking cores in the NFL? And I'll just say, just because it's a place to plant your flag, is PFF puts the Steelers at number 11 among inside linebacking cores. And in their analysis, they're actually mentioning Vince Williams, not Bobby Spokane. Yeah, that's one of the reasons why we should not mention PFF on this show anymore. We probably shouldn't talk about that before. They are a certified Steeler-hating organization. I believe they put the receivers at 18, if I'm incorrect. Like, we always want to come from behind. They have the Seahawks number one. <laughs> Would you concur? As inside linebacker? Yeah. No. Um, no, the Seahawks are really good. I mean, you have Bobby Wagner, who's one of the best inside linebackers in the NFL, but he's on the back nine. Now at this point, and in regard, so in terms of stacking it up against different groups and the rest of the whole league, I would say that you know maybe it it could be a borderline top ten ish type of group, if not better, if Devin Bush ends up being you know reaching a ceiling and staying healthy. Then yeah, I would definitely say they could be a top ten. Just think about it this way: it's so rare in the NFL with the salary cap rules and the roster limits. It's so rare to have a true starter as your backup. And that's what the Steelers have with Vince Williams. He's your third guy. And one of your starters is a top 10 overall draft pick who's a freak of nature, who is upper, upper echelon athlete potential, was playing great before he got injured. So, yes, they could definitely have one of the best uh, linebacker rooms. And it's nice that uh, they got, you know, Spillane and Vince Williams, They their play style actually complements Devin Bush. Those guys are the are the wood layers. Those guys are the brick throwers. Those guys are the gut punchers, the butt kickers, the ass kickers, the soul snatchers. That's what those guys are. <laughs> Devin Bush is really speedy. Yeah, it's a nice little WWE promo I just cut. What, what do you think this does for the Steelers' ranking against the run? And just for context, the Steelers allowed 4.3 yards per run last year, uh, Rank them 12th in the NFL. Well, I think the biggest thing is getting Tyson Alualu back and solidifying that deep defensive line. With Wormley, hopefully Wormley gets a bigger piece of the pie this year uh, and just in terms of making more of an impact, I would hope. But we've said it for years. If you want to have a top 10 defensive line or defensive front in the NFL, you need to have backup defensive linemen in particular, and you need to be able to rotate them. The Steelers have two megastars on the starting defensive line, uh, one of the maybe the best defensive player in the NFL at edge, a really encouraging sophomore player in Highsmith on the other side, and then a crazy top 10 pick playmaking inside linebacker and some guys who love to hit people in the mouth. So I think the Steelers' run defense should be great. If they falter there, they're going to be in trouble because the pass defense obviously is is it's impossible to see it doing anything except for taking a step back from last year when you lose Bud Dupree on the rush and you lose half your cornerbacks. Before we go on and talk about the next former Steeler who's given us fodder for our script in this, let's go to our sponsor. Locker room. Listen up, everybody. Open the door. Take a whiff. <sighs> Success. That's locker room. It's a live audio-only sports talk platform that's free to download and easy to use. It's a social media platform where you can just talk about what's important in life. No, not family. Sports. And sports only. 
It's perfect for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and you can react to breaking news on there. You can interact with other sports fans, insiders, athletes, and executives in real time. Get in Colbert's ear. I'm sure he's on there. Maybe not Colbert, but maybe some of the young up-and-comers. Maybe some of the PLL lacrosse guys. You could get a hold of them. they got to get the brand up. But either way, there's a bunch of other people you can interact with, and we're all looking for the same thing, some good sports conversation. So head to Locker Room now. You know, get in there and take a whiff. Just... Download the Locker Room app for free in the iOS store. Create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the group. Oh, my gosh. We were going to talk about Le'Veon Bell's tweet about Andy Reid. Sure. And I am on his, I'm on his Twitter feed right now, and he is, he is jousting with the proletariat about this comment. Oh, he's going, it's, it's advanced? He's going back and forth oh, with people? Oh, eight minutes ago. Yeah, you want to give con- you want to give the uh... yes. Okay, so Le'Veon Bell is stuck in a time loop. I think ever since that year when he held out, gone is the fun-loving, funny, light-hearted, super hard-working, mega-talented superstar running back, and now is the Twitter troll, or more accurately, like the trolley. The guy who anything anybody says ever gets under his skin and nothing has ever been his fault ever since he left Pittsburgh. Bell tweeted in response to somebody about the Chiefs, I would never play for Andy Reid again. I would rather retire. So just to to keep score here, it was the Steelers' front office's fault in Pittsburgh, and he hates them for trying to make him the highest-paid running back in the league where he would have made more money than he ended up making with his next team, which his uh, agent somehow convinced him uh, – was actually the other way around. Okay, Steelers front office. Okay, then Adam Gase's fault in New York and the Jets' fault that he couldn't muster a positive carry in one or two years, whatever it was. And now Andy Reid's fault, who I don't think there's ever been a negative thing written about the man. Now his siblings, that's a different story. And that's where it makes sense. Like Andy Reid's siblings always getting into some insane... Uh, trouble, sort of like, ah, oh, that's how the Lord works in mysterious ways. He couldn't, you know. All right, that was a little dark. I'm sorry. I went a little far there. But regardless, dude, everybody likes Andy Reid. You're like, if you were better than who was the who was the running back Williams? There was another running back who got into the Super Bowl above Le'Veon Bell. You couldn't even beat out that guy. You don't think that they would want the the pass catching phenomenon in the game if you were good? Well, I don't know what it was. If you can catch up with the offense, if you just joined the team too late, I don't think that that's part of it. We've seen uh, running backs on other teams, Leonard Fournette, LeGarrette Blunt, win Super Bowls coming in halfway through the year. So I, that's just not a great argument for me, especially with all of Bell's football knowledge. He, he was a very intelligent player who played in a pretty diverse system in Pittsburgh. So it is. It's, it does make me sad. I don't want to go too long because we just had a segment on this the other day, but it bums me out, man. He's so in his head. The world's against him, and his career has not uh, – he hasn't made the best decisions with what teams he should go to. He said uh, 12 minutes ago, I'm not about to get into depth in depth on why I feel the way I do, but I have my right to feel the way I feel. And then 10 minutes ago, he said – I'm just giving you a small version from my point of view on why I said what I said. So he just contradicted himself. I mean, he is like twisted in a pretzel. This just guy's this guy feels um, under siege, and he's cracking under the pressure. 
It sucks. Yeah, it actually does bum me out. And like, I don't know. You, you. I think he just he his agent sucks. That's what it comes down to me. Like you could say, oh, he should be taking responsibility. He should know what teams he should he should have gone to, stayed in better situations. I mean, yes and no. Like, it, it, he should be really good at running, blocking, receiving, not talking stupid to the media, and doing everything that his job as a football player entails. Like, his team around him should be doing a better job. Well, I mean, it's too late now. It's it's coming to the end here. But uh, I do. F- I'm 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 not trying to absolve him of blame either. Obviously, I kind of roasted him at the top of this because clearly he's unable to accept any fault in these decisions that he's made. But I do still like I get annoyed with him. But I have love for the guy for when he played for the Steelers. He clearly seems like a good guy, and everybody he plays with likes him. And if you hear him in interviews before all this fiasco went down, it's like, oh, this is like this is an affable dude. Like he's cool. He he, he was never even uh, overly cocky. He knew exactly how good he was, and so on and so forth. But he wasn't a jerk about it. It's a little different when you're trying to make your money. You have to talk about how good you are, especially unfortunately getting caught in the running back situation where nobody's getting paid. So I, I don't think that him uh, knowing his value as a star player uh, equates to him being a cocky douche in the locker room. So he's been a good guy. It's just sad to see that this uh, social media pressure and everything like that just totally cracked the guy. Let's move on to another guy that's making some seemingly contradictory statements, but I th- I, I think I know where he's coming from. So Juju as we've been talking about ad nauseum for the last few weeks, wants to get paid more. This year was limited by sort of the system, which had a constrained salary cap. Well, this story is starting to gain some legs, and the story is Juju wants to play outside more this year, which makes no sense. He's the best from the slot. He can play outside, but think about it. When you're an outside player... The most important traits are being able to release and being quick off the line of scrimmage so you don't get jammed up and being able to scare defenders vertically and beat them deep. He can do that on occasion, but that's not his bread and butter. Nowhere as scary deep as Chase Claypool. Nowhere as nuanced in his route running as Deontay Johnson. So it's like it's awesome that he can play outside and he should get snaps there, but he's utterly dominant from the slot. It was absurd. I think Nick Fairball put out some stats this year on Juju's deep catches from the slot, which almost all of them were on in-breaking routes. And I guess it was like – I don't have the numbers exactly right, but it was like 24 out of 23 catchable balls. He caught 20 of them. And then like – when you look at the the deep dig route, so anything like over 20 yards, they actually all ended up being in the middle of the field, and he was like 17 for 17 with six touchdowns. It's some absurd numbers. I don't know if we can uh, – I'll, I'll retweet the tweet for you guys, but it's utterly dominant numbers. It reflects what we talked about after the Browns loss in the playoffs where it was like, wow, they're why don't they just throw to Juju on these deep digs in these posts? He's absolutely dominating people. He bodies everybody up. So the slot is his best position. His flexibility and versatility to be able to play outside is a bonus. But to me, this reeks of he wants to play outside at the place where he is clearly not as good at so he can make more money, which I understand as a businessman and as a football player. I don't think the Steelers would let him hold their feet over to the fire too much over that. If they, like, Because to me, I'm like, yeah, yeah, dude, you're going to play outside. Of course. 
you're going to get a couple snaps per game, but it would not behoove him. It would not behoove the Steelers or really anybody to take snaps away from Claypool and Deontay who are on the outside and they're great fits there and to take him out of his most dominant position, Juju in the slot. So Nick, he, um, I guess it's, it's relative, right? I mean, he wants to bulk up his his stats as an outside receiver, but he'll be judged if he plays on the in the slot. Won't he be judged as a slot receiver and paid accordingly? That's that's what this is, and it's the same thing. The stupid position wage scale. Why Le'Veon didn't want to get paid as a running back? Back to Le'Veon, he wanted to get paid like a running back and a number two receiver because the guy was catching eighty damn balls a year, you know. And the same thing with edge rushers. Like, or you have a sack specialist who's actually like a three four. That's why Cameron Hayward hasn't been elected to the Pro Bowl half the times he should have been because technically he's a D tackle. When really, or like he's getting compared to DN, so he's getting compared to rush players. Like they don't even play the same positions. So this to me is a perfect example of like they got to fix that that pay scale thing just based on on the on the. Uh, on the name of the position, because if you're Juju, it's like, you should just want to be the best, most successful player you can be and make the most money. And in the perfect world, you should be like, yeah, you just play most of your snaps out of the slot. Definitely play outside a little bit as well. But then you just get paid as a guy who caught, who catches the number of balls you catch, who gets the yardage you get and who gets the touchdowns. Cause you know, he's a 10 touchdown a year kind of guy. Like who cares if he's slot or not? Like football has changed. Yeah, I don't understand the scale. I mean, you look at the rookie scale and how the, the rookies have absolutely been screwed in this CBA. You you can oh, yeah. perform. Uh, you you have no recompense until your second con- if and until your second ta- contract comes over. It's criminal. It's pretty crazy, yeah. isn't it? You say they agreed to a contract. No, they didn't. There are stipulations. They have to agree to that contract. They don't get to negotiate. They don't get to go to other teams. It's pretty wild. The conflicts of interest are off the charts. The guys negotiating the contract are veterans. Who are they? Whose feather are they gonna? Whose nest yeah. are they gonna feather? Yeah, exactly. Well, Le'Veon Bell would still be in Pittsburgh right now, probably. You know, or maybe not. Maybe it would still be Najee. Maybe Lev will be getting to the end of the deal. But it's really unfair. Juju's been a Pro Bowl wide receiver, and he gets paid like a second rounder. You know, that that is crazy. That you can't re up like two years in. Like, hey. I've I've been a pro bowler multiple times for you. Can I get a friggin' raise? Like, no. Any other job, that would not be true. You would just go, oh, okay, well, there's a lot of other people who would love to give me a raise, so I'll go do that. But you're not allowed to in the NFL. Look, the complicating factor in football is the injury. If you want to be paid on your production, that would make the most sense. It's just like any other job, sort of, right? You You produce, you get paid no matter what year you're in. But guys want guarantees. And yeah. then you also have, it's sort of like when the guy from Northwestern tried to unionize the NCAA Division I players, right? right. You, you, nobody's around. Rookies aren't around. You can't really organize early on in your career. You're just basically worried about making a team. So the forces at work work against you. The one uh, silver lining I see is that I think Juju. I'm not sure that Ben convinced him to stay in Pittsburgh. I'm sure it had some influence. I think Juju has some good economic advice. Like this is your best chance. Make your hay in Pittsburgh this year. You're not gonna, the money wasn't there to go elsewhere, and you're still going to be. You still know the system as opposed to going to Baltimore or Kansas City, where you're an outsider trying to work yourself in. Yeah. But he did say 
don't get it wrong, Pittsburgh is definitely still an option on the table. And I know that they'll fight hard, and they're one of the teams that have the most cap, which is true. Unlikely hey, well, he'll yes be here no. next year. Remember? Right? Yeah. Well, if they sign You're... Ben, which we, you and I think is going to happen, well, and they obviously See... have to pay TJ record-setting money, yeah, they've sucked Drew's up the $76 million. Yeah, those receiver contracts are giant. Uh, defensive edge rusher contracts are giant. Those are the biggest ones outside of the – tackle in the in the quarterback you know so like like we said it is funny that he even said that i don't does his does his did his agent explain to him that like they don't actually have the 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 cap room like they'll have enough to sign someone like you but it's not like they're going to be the teams with the most cap room because you can just already chalk the tj signing up right but hey say this in the media so it sort of puts pressure on it like i don't know um yeah but we, we want to hear it he said it i'm happy <laughs> I don't mind either. Well, I don't know, man. It's tough. Like, it just really depends to me on the development of Juju or of Claypool and Deontay Johnson. I've said it a million times in the podcast, but those guys just have higher potential than Juju. But Juju is so incredibly dependable that it's con- – and, you know, personality-wise, some people might argue uh, opposite to that. But uh, he's so solid. That would you you'd be taking a risk, but if Deontay and Claypool take the steps they should, I think you'd be more than happy to let Juju walk out the door and just be sad that you lose such a signature cool player. But you got other you got some potential superstars on the outside, so I wonder. Yeah, I I just wonder where that's going to go. And in regards to not going to Baltimore, that's obvious. You're not going to get stats there. Their their passing offense is uh, not good. Kansas City, it is. I guess it is debatable because to me, when I look at it, I'm like you'd. You'd be the number three option in Kansas City behind Hill and Kelsey. And then I think he would probably surpass Hardman, who's very inconsistent. And they would have a guy who could catch and run, which they really need in um, in Kansas City. I mean, obviously Tyreek catches and run, but he's more like they kind of try and get it down the field or they do jet sweeps. I, I can only think, why would you not go to Kansas City? Is it just like you are worried that you won't get as many stats and – as you will in Pittsburgh when you're competing with Najee, Deontay, and Claypool? Like, I think that it's going to be comparable. Or is it you're staying there because you know Ben has this extreme over-the-top love for you where he is going to force-feed it to Juju before he'll give it to other guys? Or is it that if he's in Kansas City, he's like, okay, I'll be one year there, but then there's no way I'm going to stay on that team long-term, so maybe I'll I'll just be a Steeler my whole career. It's really interesting, and I do think he's he's playing it well. I might have trended towards – I would have, at this point, played with Patrick Mahomes. Like, you're going to get the damn ball, and you're going to get some stats. But then again, it is unknown, and you know that you'll at least even have okay stats, even if it's as bad as it was last year in Pittsburgh. But It seems like – it seems like fourteen hundred dollars, fourteen hundred dollars, fourteen hundred yards would be well within his grasp in Kansas City. And I'm with you on all those thoughts about what, what's the conjecture. It does seem like he's getting good advice and he's thinking through this. And it would be a one-year deal. And who knows what they see coming a year after 2021, right? And what would happen to him? Moving That's on, interesting play. if I, if I may, Ken, Kendrick Green is still not signed. Yet, he is participating in the OTAs. That's what a leader does. Listen, we talk about this every year. Like, what the hell is going on with these rookie negotiations? What are we talking about here? His agent's been out fishing. Well, there's been some, you know, it's been explained to us. No, 
these contracts are so construed or pre-construed. I mean, it's there's not a whole lot of latitude in these things, and there's some you know there's some supposition that the agent's been busy. I don't buy that. I have no idea what's going on. But my bigger concern was he's playing. He's he's in OTAs. He's risking injuries. What happens to a guy who gets injured in OTAs who is not under contract? I don't know. Tell me. Well, I just discovered something called the Rookie Participation Agreement. Fascinating. The RPA. It assures the draft pick that is injured during minicamps, off-season workouts, or rookie development will receive the same contract he would had he been healthy. All right. Nice. That's uh, an occasion. You couldn't have done this. For the rookies. Yeah, you, <laughs> right. You couldn't have done this before, uh, what, 1995? Before, you know, everything sort of, no, 95. It was, when did the CBA come in when they started constraints? So it was Sam Bradford. He was the last guy to get his money. <laughs> I forget what year that was. 2008? Yeah, before that you couldn't have done this because you didn't know what the, a rookie salary was going to be. Now they pretty right, much right. know within a pretty tight frame. Anyway, right. Kendrick Green, he'll be signed. doesn't matter if he gets hurt, he'll get paid, which is yeah, not what we care about. We care about him playing. But you know well. what's interesting? J.C. Hassenauer has been getting the most, got the most snaps during OTAs at center. That's Don't you find that interesting? Wouldn't you have thought B.J. Yes, Finney would have been the guy? I would have thought Kendrick Green would have been the guy. <laughs> OTA is a little early. He's probably still learning the ropes. Once again, not a full-time center in college. Think he should be great in the NFL with that, but it is going to take some some adjustment. And Hassenauer was on the team last year, and Finney wasn't, so... But you're right. right. Even even still, even still, it was it was one year, and Finney Finney would be back. So that is weird. All right, this is just for fun. Okay, don't pillory me. I was just looking at what the 2022 mocks were saying because they yeah, are yeah. out already. There have been two that I read. One gets the Steelers a quarterback at the 13th pick, Keaton Slovis from USC. And my favorite part, he's like. He's not accurate. He's not strong, and lacks poise and he has no. He lacks poise and confidence. <laughs> it's exactly he fits the job description to a T. Well, look, it's gonna. It is actually fun to look at these way too early mocks. N- not necessarily because who the writers mock to a particular team for. Like I don't care about that. I do like to just learn the names. And I mean, I know who Keaton Slovis was already, but. It does give you a good idea. Like, okay, here's come some of the blue chippers. This will change, but a lot of these guys will will be here next year. We knew about Trevor Lawrence, knew about Saquon Barkley, you know about that Ed Drescher from Oregon this year. Uh, so be it. We we all know that this is a down quarterback year, especially after the the last few years, which have been incredible. And we sort of assume like, oh, I guess that's just what it's like now. Like every quarterback class is just going to be amazing. But this year doesn't have a lot of big names. Now, usually there's one guy who pops up, whether it's Kyler Murray or Joe Burrow, who pops up like out of nowhere and you and turns out to be a stud. So hopefully we see that. I don't know if the Steelers will be in the running for the quarterback, but you can almost you know, put your finger on it. It's going to be a, a defensive back, a cornerback, a, a quarterback, or offensive lineman, like for sure, right? And that that is what's interesting. Is what, what's weird about moving through this Ben phase. But if you get if you get those positions uh, shored up, 
they did such a nice job with every other position on the roster. You got got a young tight end ready to take the helm once Ebron, you know, potentially leaves after this year or not. You got receivers all over the place as usual. Inside young inside linebackers. You get a little scared with the age of the defensive line by that time, but they they should still be good. Obviously, got a superstar safety and maybe his running mate next to him. So you you really have everything. So the 2022 draft is very intriguing. Will it bring the Steelers a quarterback? No idea. I almost think that they would prefer to go try and get like Kirk Cousins, like someone like that, because the Steelers are going to have a, a Super Bowl ready ish team. Um, and I don't know if they're going to want to try and put a put a put a rookie in there. Yeah, I think you got you have a good point. Um, Steelers can dip their toe into the water of free agency with their twelve million dollars cap after TJ. They won't. <laughs> I mean, we still still bends at nah, play. They'll, they'll finagle it. Yeah, they'll massage it. And I think, I mean, obviously Rodgers and, and Russell Wilson very likely to be available. But thinking those type of those two guys, they they have Hollywood wives. I don't really know if they want to go play in Pittsburgh. I think Rodgers even said he wants to go west. Everybody's going to be trying to play for the Broncos if if Drew Locke doesn't have a miracle kind of uptick in his play this year. So I don't know if the Steelers will be in line for any of those superstar-type dudes, but, man, a Kirk Cousins, I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo, so help me. No, please, no. I, li- I do like Kirk, actually. No mobility, not a mobile bonus body, but he is so accurate, and more, most importantly to me, he's aggressive downfield, and he doesn't throw a ton of picks. So he would be perfect in the play action of Najee Harris, throw a deep system, and people will laugh at the, at the Kirk Cousins, like, oh, he just has this – goofiness about him where people don't realize that this guy throws dimes down the field there's a reason why Diggs, you know had a great career in 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 buffalo and of course he's exploding with josh allen but like man he was tearing it up with kirk Thielen, same thing jefferson they get great receivers there but you got a quarterback who's down to throw the ball deep to them and I, that is kind of my way to early prediction him or like a you know, a lesser extent would be like a Jacoby Brissett or something like that. But my instinct is sort of telling me that's the route the Steelers will go with the quarterback unless the board falls to them with the guy who's really beast. But, hey, they scared us with their first-round grade on Mason Rudolph a couple years ago. So, I don't know. They didn't tra- They didn't want to trade up for Justin Fields this year, but they had a first-round grade on Mason Rudolph. And they were right in range of trading up. Like, trading up for Fields would not have been completely out of the question. Or Mac Jones. If it's not one thing, it's another. Yeah, so the writing's on the wall. If they didn't do it then, I don't think they're going to do it next year. I think we demonstrated the action is on Twitter, so follow us at Steelers Outpost. Shoot us an email at SteelersOutpost at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Until next week, go Steelers. Okay, bye-bye. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and J.J. discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine.